Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Childless Not By Choice, where my mission is to recognize and speak to the Childless Not By Choice women and men around the world. Savella Morgan here. I am spreading the great news that we can live a joyful, relevant, and fulfilled life, although we did not have the children we so wanted. I would also like to thank everyone who recognizes that we are not all living the same type of life. Welcome to episode 110, episode 110. Well, this is going to be a little bit different, a different type of episode. It is actually a tribute episode. I want to pay tribute to my mom, who is also my best friend in the whole wide world, the person I trusted most on this planet. Unfortunately, she left this world on May 6th. And many people would say, well, she lived a long life. I'm not going to put her age out into the atmosphere, but she did live a long life. But you never get used to death, do you? So I miss her terribly and decided that I wanted to use this episode as a way to pay tribute to her before I continue on with the rest of the episodes for this podcast, Child Does Not By Choice. And so I hope you'll stick around and... Uh, tune in and listen. And for those of you who are grieving and suffering with loss, because I know some of you have mentioned that in the Facebook page, you know, my heart goes out to you. I totally get it now. I didn't get it before. I still exercised empathy, of course. Empathy is not a problem for me, thankfully. But until you're in it yourself, you don't really get it. And uh, so now I totally get it. And again, I am sorry for your loss, whether it's a parent or a spouse or a sibling. So I hope you'll tune in. And of course, if you have any questions or comments or any input or anything, of course, feel free to reach out to me at Savella at SavellaMorgan.com. Inbox me on social media or leave me a message on the website. If you go to ChildlessNotByChoice.net and look to your left, there is an old time looking telephone there. And right below the telephone is a link and you can click on that link and leave a message of up to 90 seconds. So whatever works for you, do that. And again, thanks for tuning in to episode 110. So here's the thing. I got my first real job when I was 14 years old. It was a summer job, helping build the set for a play that would be performed that summer by members of the community where I lived, including my school's swim class teacher. The play was called Guys and Dolls. I could not begin to tell you much about that play, <laughs> that job, or the summer, but I will always remember the tune to the title song of the play, Guys and Dolls. I have found myself humming it from time to time over the years. But I also remember one incident. My swimming teacher was apparently also a set designer. She was painting the backdrops for the play and I was positioning them just to, you know, pre-play time to see what they looked like. So that was my job to position the backdrops. The only thing I remember her saying to me that summer was, did you tell your parents? And I responded, no. Within hours of my response to my teacher and making my way home after work, my little summer job, I was confronted by my very upset parents, asking how I could not tell them such a thing. She had told on me. And somehow, even at age 15, I knew she was doing the right thing. She was doing what I should have done, and probably also covering the school 
from any backlash as well. You know, in America, we, we live in a very litigious society, unfortunately. So, I mean, I don't blame her for making sure that my parents were aware of what was going on. I really don't recall being mad at her for doing it. I should have done it, but I was afraid. <laughs> like, they would never find out, right? Anyway, what did I not tell my parents? Well, this is what happened. Sometime near the end of the school year, I had stayed after school for intramurals. Intramurals, for those of you who don't know, are after school games. They're after school sports. And so if you don't play a particular sport during gym class, during school hours, if you're not on a particular team, then after school, you can play whatever the, the sports are for that particular day. It's usually a couple of two or three different sports being played indoor and outdoor. And so you can join a team or play with your friends or whatever. So that's intramurals. I was trying to be cool, jumping into the deep end of the pool, knowing full well I could not swim. I nearly drowned. Someone had run and called the teacher that was covering intramurals that day. And all I remember was feeling two really strong hands grab me from behind and pull me out of the pool. And then I remember coughing embarrassingly as I sat on the pool deck. He was just in time, too, because I had begun to run out of energy from flailing all over the place, and I had started to drift to the bottom of the pool. As a deeply shy and introverted 15-year-old, I wonder even now if I had properly thanked those two teachers, the teacher that was running intramurals that day and my swim class teacher. I hope I did. That was the second time in my life I almost died. There was one previous incident when I was nine, and there would be one more when I was in my early 20s. I'm wondering why I'm thinking about that long ago swimming pool event in particular. I'm not sure. Maybe because at that point in my life, I believed my parents would be around forever. Maybe that's it. But, of course, that is not the case for anyone. We all die, don't we? All of these years later, the last time I saw my sweet mom, my best friend in the whole wide world, was the evening of Sunday, May 5th, as I got her ready for bed. By the morning of May 6th, she had exited this world, leaving behind chronic pain and chronic illness. And I miss her terribly. It's like I miss her more and more every day. What breaks my heart the most is I did not get to say goodbye. I didn't have a chance to say goodbye. And of course, my heart aches for my dad as June 5th, a month to the day after she died. That was their 54th wedding anniversary. And they loved each other so I watched them all my life through ups and downs, thick and thin, flat broke, and money in the bank. They stuck it out. We don't see many couples sticking it out and through the thick and thin these days. We hear a lot of, I don't love him or her anymore, or we've fallen out of love, or we just can't see eye to eye anymore. How exactly does one fall out of love? And... Could it be that couples don't see eye to eye because no one wants to give in once in a while? Or maybe the same person is always giving in and the other person just doesn't get that it can't always be their way? Well, I'm not a shrink, so I will leave those thoughts and questions right there. I sometimes thought I did not deserve my mom. She was quiet, reserved. Her favorite color was beige. Mine is red. Totally different personalities, you can tell just by the favorite color scheme. She taught us how to clean up after ourselves as young women and my brother as a young man. 
She taught us how to live clean, how to cook, and how to maintain a clean home. And as nice and kind as she was, she did not mince words with us when we got out of line. But she also taught us how to be kind to others, how to let things go sometimes. And as she would say, put the best construction on things. Something I usually found difficult to do. Putting the best construction on things is a Caribbean way of saying, give people the benefit of the doubt. Give a person the benefit of the doubt. And anyway, I believe, I sometimes believed, and I wonder now if I was the most difficult of her five children because of that very difficulty of not always wanting to put the best construction on things. I knew it was the best thing to do. Sometimes I just did not want to do it. As an adult, I often wished I had listened to her more, but she was a patient mom with me as a child and as I became an adult. Being the mother of five children, she did not know the intricacies, the emotional pain of being childless not by choice. She asked me questions and she defended me when I told her about the latest silly commentary or actions of those who did not understand the life of a childless not by choice person. She was my biggest defender. And no matter how old we got to be, we called her mommy and we called my dad daddy. I guess again, it's a Caribbean thing. I will never trust another human being as much as I trusted my mom. And you may say that it's just the rawness of such a recent loss talking, but ah, no, I, she was my best friend. She was my best defender. She was my best everything. My mom, she learned how to text on her Android phone and her iPad very late in life, like after age 70, but she learned them well. She enjoyed texting the entire family. She enjoyed researching celebrities' ages on her iPad. Yes, I said that right. She liked to go on the iPad and look up people's ages. (laughs) Somehow she just did not consider herself a smart person though. And whenever she would start up with the I'm not smart bit, I would remind her that she was one of the smartest people I knew. She could tell you anything about any event going on around the world. She knew who Lady Gaga is, and she also loved listening to the Gaithers and watching Bobby Schuler's service on Saturday nights and Sunday afternoons. And for those of you who don't know, the Gaithers are a country-type sounding Christian group, a singing group, and they sound pretty good. Although I'm not a big fan of country, they sound pretty good. And then Bobby Schuler is a pastor, a young pastor that she just loved listening to him. And so to me, she was the smartest woman I knew. As I mentioned before, my mom raised five kids. And so yes, there are are five of us. And mm, just a side note, I'm the oldest of the five. (laughs) And so she raised five kids without serious incident working her fingers to the bone to provide for us. I remember sometimes she would come home and tell me what somebody did to her on the job. Not that she expected me to do anything. It was just, you know, conversation. And she would tell me how someone had mistreated her on a particular job. And I remember just feeling so helpless when she would tell me about the latest incident. But she always said she wanted to keep a righteous heart. And several times she would tell me how she had run into one or two of the people who had done her wrong (laughs) so many years ago. And uh, when she would have recently run into them, they were not in a good place, usually physically, just, you know, physical issues. But she never spoke ill of them and their plight. 
Like I said, she wanted her heart to be in the right place, she said. And all I know is that it will take the rest of my life to become half the person she was. I battled the medical community to pay attention to her needs the last few years of her life. Unfortunately, they did not seem to care about the role of the caregiver. And I felt they did not care about the plight of the elderly. Many of them ignored anything I had to say because although I knew my mom much better than they did, they could not hear above the din of their seven to ten years of education. One time when she was in rehab after a hospital stay, against my wishes, they gave her two similar diabetes medications. I ended up not sleeping that entire night as I did not trust the staff to stay awake and prevent her blood sugar from going to zero. They proceeded to feed her junk food. I won't name the junk food because I'm not being paid to place ads for, for these companies. So just trust me, junk food. They fed her junk food all night to keep her blood sugar up. And so I stayed up all night and called them every hour or so to check on her. Shortly after that, I had her taken out of the facility and brought her back home couple days earlier than they had wanted to, but I couldn't deal with that and I just couldn't go through that again. Look, I am not a clinician, but I did my best by my mom. And I truly hope that one day caregivers will be heard in the medical community. In the meantime, if you are a caregiver, do not ever give up on your family member. Advocate for them even when the medical community gets upset and kicks you out of the hospital. Yes, that happened to me a few years ago. Needless to say, we drove right past that hospital. Whenever either of my parents needed to be hospitalized, we never set foot in there again. And the thing I'm coming to grips with the medical community is that they seem to rather have to say, I'm sorry, or typically say nothing at all if something terrible were to happen during one of their mistakes. I did hear from one of her specialists after she passed and the specialist called to give condolences and even said that if there's anything that I needed to let them know. And I'm not saying if it's a he or she because I want to protect that person because maybe it's not something that doctors do, but I just it, it just really touched my heart that this person took the time to make the phone call because this person also took the time to come in on days that they probably were supposed to be at a different office because I had to work. And my day off didn't coincide with the day that they were in the office. So that's what a physician should be doing, going above and beyond to care for a patient. And I know there are a lot of physicians out there like that. But unfortunately, I've had to deal with people who just apparently stopped caring. And uh, so I will always think about the phone call that I got from this particular physician and the phone calls that should have been made by other physicians that were not. And uh, that's life, though. That's not going to keep me from moving on with life. I'm not going to hold grudges and hang on to any negative feelings because I want to see my mom again. And in the Christian faith, we believe that when we die, we go to heaven. But I speak of these things to just give an example of the fact that there are millions of caregivers out there who are dealing with caring for a family member and also having to deal with the way they're treated and their family member is treated by the medical community sometimes. 
There's the good and the bad. Bottom line is the life of a caregiver is not easy. No part of it is easy. And uh, in fact, becoming a caregiver changes your life forever. And most times there is no warning that you are becoming a caregiver. It literally just kind of happens. Initially, you are taking your loved one to doctor's appointments. And then you find yourself handling prescription issues at the pharmacy. And then you find yourself advocating for your loved one. And then you start administering, assisting and then administering medications. And then you find that the doctor is talking to you and looking directly at you more so than the patient as time goes on. As they talk to you about next steps after each appointment. And then you incorporate their schedule, their life into yours, into your calendar. Or in my case, I'm old school, so into my daytimer. Caregivers have to watch time, time away from the person being cared for, time to administer medications, time to eat for the person you're caring for as well as for yourself, time to get to doctor's appointments. And then there are late nights, you know, illness typically exacerbates at night. And then the most overwhelming feeling for a caregiver is the feeling of helplessness, which happened quite a few times for me. I was and am literally responsible for the person who took care of me for the first years of my life. I was taking care of the person whose loving face was the first I saw when I came into this world. Talk about pressure. I did not want to mess up. I really thought I had more time to make changes in her care, though. The morning she passed... Before I knew she had passed, I was sitting in bed and I was texting my brother and telling him that we were probably going to need a different type of vehicle. It was getting harder for her to get up into mine and a different type of bed. And we're just texting back and forth and uh, not realizing she was already gone. But I did try. I had planned to call one of her physicians to start a new treatment. It was not to be. I now battle in my mind the battle of wishing I had more time to make changes. I also know, as one of my sisters always reminds me, that God is sovereign and that the bottom line is we all have a day assigned to us, that last day on earth. And the best thing we can do is to be sure we have our affairs in order so that we do not leave any undue burden on our family, the family we leave behind, and that we should also be ready to meet our maker. You know, my mom thanked me for caring for her near the end. What? Now I see it was the end. I didn't know at the time. And all I could say was, you're welcome, mommy. But what I should have said was, it is my honor. It's the least I can do. And apparently I, I must have said something to that effect because my dad read from his own writings at her service. And he said that I, I said something to that effect. And I meant it. It is my honor. It was the least I could do for everything she had done for me and for my siblings. Well, I know she knew I loved her. I used to give her loud kisses on her cheeks from time to time. I prayed with her some nights and comforted her as best as I could as things got worse. I was in love with her dimples. I always wished I had gotten her dimples. But it turns out those beautiful dimples skipped a generation. One of my nephews got them. So, you know... Sometimes when I would be washing dishes, she would sit at the kitchen table and so my back would be turned as I washed dishes and we would be talking from one thing to the other and I would say something and then get no response. 
only to realize she had snuck out on me to go watch the evening news. She did that to me a lot. <laughs> well, she played that trick on me one last time. She snuck out on me without saying goodbye. I knew she did it because if she told me she were going, I would have begged her to stay. As much pain as I knew she was in. My consolation now, as I grieve the loss of her presence in this world, is that she is no longer in pain. She is no longer taking tons of pills and going to tons of doctor's appointments. She is now spending her time singing in the soprano section of Heaven's Choir and hanging out with her parents and her sister and her brothers, some of them. She's singing in that choir and they have a new soprano. Sing on, my sweet mommy, until we meet again.